Yo, what's going on, guys? Um, today's episode of Molly Munchies. I am extremely honored to have these two legends on my show. Um, one is a Sloan champion and midlife skater, living his passion. He stopped skating for 32 years and made a huge comeback. And the other is the father of downhill, the inventor of the Coleman slide, Scott Hostra and Cliff Coleman. Enjoy. We can hear you. Figure out how the well. I guess it's not going to be at low, but I can definitely hear you. We'll try to speak clearly and coherently. All right. I know it's recording on both ends. Yeah, it says it's recording here. Two people recording. Okay, cool. I can hear you clearly in my headphones. It sounds way better. Um, I am super excited for this, man. Uh, I I can't. Thank you. I can't thank you a thousand times. I'm currently rolling up a joint right now. Um, oh, man. Give me a moment. Because yeah. he's not passing it. He calls me Tony Montana because I won't pass the joint. Joe Montana. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Montana. It's Joe Montana. Pass yeah, it. Joe, yeah, Joe Montana, you got to pass the ball, man. Teammates always win. <laughs> You got it. <laughs> you know? Uh, how's the weather out there, guys? I know you're in the beautiful Brazil. About 85 degrees today. Oh, man. Lucky. Yeah, it's beautiful. Sunny. We went to two beaches. One's called Praia Mole. The other one's called Joaquina. Had lunch on the beach at one of them. Oh, man. Uh, probably the greatest bull skater in the world's house, Pedro Bajo's house, which is back in a valley. It's tropical wonderland there. And his father built him a three-leaf clover pool to skateboard in when he was 15, nine years ago. Wow. They were the only ones, and Scott was ripping in there, and I took some video. Wow. I'm going to see that soon. (laughs) Oh, man, that's, that's, Wow. Do me a favor. My name's Cliff Coleman. I'm introducing myself. I don't know you. What's your name? I'm sorry. I'm Matthew Williams. <laughs> nice to meet you, Matthew. So yeah, the way that, to meet you. <laughs> the, whole, the way this whole thing came about, Matthew, was, you know, I met you guys at um, Boardwalk Broad. It was freaking awesome. You and uh, P and Dave. And uh, it was a great time. And I know you did that podcast and you gave me a shout out. That was really cool. So I was down here in Brazil, had some time to burn. And I thought it'd be kind of cool to get a hold of Matthew and say, hey, let's do a Gnarly Munchies podcast live from Brazil. Wow. <laughs> so here we are. And then I should have introduced Cliff Coleman, although he's a man who needs no introduction in the uh, skateboard community. Yeah. I'm down here for his 70th birthday tomorrow. Uh, he's going to be 70 years old. So we're going to chill. We're going to get some sushi. And uh, Cliff would be skating, but he's uh, on the Reco- I'm recovering from a broken collarbone. Nothing serious. i got about two more weeks to go, so I can't skate now. But uh, I still skateboard. Otherwise, he would be skating on his 70th birthday, without a doubt. And I'll skateboard next year so that I can say I did so in my 70s. <laughs> eh. Scott over here is quite a quite a skater. Uh, I laughed when you guys were talking about, he, and he's in his fifties. I listened to one of your other podcasts, and the guy says late fifties, and a bunch Other of fifties, a, a bunch of groms. Let me tell you, fifties. <laughs> I don't know if I can remember that. <laughs> he's calling me a grom, Matt. Do we lose you? Hello. Oh, man. <laughs> well, it says it's still recording. And, uh, well, I'll tell you what, in case it is recording, just uh, mention some of the few things you've been doing while you've been down here in southern Brazil and Florianopolis on the island. Well, I've been skating some epic bowls, like uh, you just said. We did uh, <clears throat> just skated Pedro's Bowl, which was insanely large. Um, skated another place, Pagoso, I think it's called. I don't know. I butcher the names down here. It's first time down here, so it takes some getting used to. How are you doing with the languages down here? Are you, are you trying to learn a word or two? 
the biggest, the most important phrase is voice fala inglés. Without that, I wouldn't be able to do anything. <laughs> so we can go around and ask people if they speak English. And uh, fortunately, there's and I pray, these... I pray that they do. And some of them do, but most of them don't. <laughs> but there's quite a few skaters that do. So they can help. Uh, and they're very hospitable down here. The people are wonderful. When we went to the public skateboard park, everybody was welcoming. And the same thing happened at these two other private ones we went to. Uh, it's a great scene down here. There's every kind of sport imaginable from paragliding, sandboarding, surfing, kiteboarding, uh, windsurfing. There's fishing. There's skateboarding of all types down here. Sergio Yuppie's the greatest slider in history, and he's he's living down here. And the reason I came down originally, I've been down here 13 times now and try to come once every winter time uh, in the States when it's the summer down here. This year I came a little bit early. The island Florianopolis is in the state of Santa Catarina, Brazil's second southernmost state. And it's actually the capital of the state. And they have uh, the wildlife here spectacular. The island is covered with small mountainous hills, a couple thousand feet up probably. They're all covered in green. There's birds, beautiful butterflies, a couple types of monkeys. They do have some snakes, coral snakes in the Jararaca. They have lizards that are called the uh, tagus lizard. They grow to four feet in length. A lot of interesting things down here. A lot of beautiful women down here. It's, it's a beach area. It's kind of like southern uh, South America's Hawaii. So I was really happy that Scott decided to come down, help me celebrate my birthday. And we've been sampling different foods. And everybody likes acai down here, which is a purple berry from a palm tree. And they make it into this icy, and you put granola and other additives in there. It's delicious. Uh, you know, they have a metro market I want to take them to. We went and had uh, food on the – remember having food on the water the other day? Uh, yeah. That was it was that. called the Hiberon de Ilia in the south, and there's a lot of oyster beds there. So myself, I ordered a dozen oysters that cost me less than six bucks served to me, even with a Coca-Cola, so I got a dozen more. Yeah, it's incredibly cheap. Incredibly you're talking cheap. about seeing the mainland in this state next week. Uh, you think you're going to go on a journey? Uh, yeah, I think so. Do some a uh, little bit of LDP. I want to get some miles in. I haven't done a lot of flat ground pushing around here. I did go down the water. Uh, it's definitely got to be on your toes skating the flat ground. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to do some of that tomorrow. I want to go over to see if I can skate over the bridge to the mainland. That would be pretty epic. That would be nice. Uh, the bridge is kind up. of a suspension bridge similar to the Golden Gate. but uh, I want to go back to that uh, dome, the Dome of Sound. Oh, yeah. Play some harp under that. They have a pedestrian out. overpass from the bus terminal to the Metro Market in downtown Florianopolis. Amazing. Acoustics. And they have these domes above you at uh, angle points in the walkway. And so it reflects sound back down at you. You speak softly, and it sounds like you have a booming voice. And Scott's a master of the harmonica, absolutely spectacular on the harmonica. And he was wailing in there the other day. And uh, glad I got to experience that one. That was fun. That sounded so epic. You know, Matthew said he was rolling one up there. What do you think about uh, the, the weed situation in Brazil, Scott? Well, it's mediocre at best, I think. What is the situation? Uh, it comes in bricks. Uh, that stuff's pretty inexpensive, but it's not very good. <clears throat> you have to clean out the stems and seeds like uh, in the old days back in the 60s in California. Um, yeah, when you guys left off, right, I started talking about the brickweed, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> 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 that just sounds so bad. You're picking up stems and seeds. Yeah. And um, I I just got back from one of these expos out here. I'm getting just some amazing, amazing stuff. Mm. Yeah, it's um, well medical. Oh, yeah. That's good. I wish I was in California with the dispensaries. <laughs> Oh man, I I want to go out there so bad. 
I'm just like a dream to skate those hills, San Francisco, LA, to be around it, do the gel lab. That whole experience. Yeah, you got to come out, man. You dig it. Oh, yeah. Man. Like, after that garage race experience, it was, it was just like the tip of the iceberg. Of course, we could debate on what's better, NorCal or SoCal. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Clay. Hey, hey, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna do an actual introduction now, and we'll get this on the, on the way. Yeah, you yeah. Ready? Let's do it. You you ask the questions. Right. So, all right, sir. I'm gonna ask the questions. You feel free to answer them. How you do me a, Let's rock do me a favor and preface your questions with Cliff or Scott, who. Who should answer? All right, no problem. This um, they're pretty much general questions. We both can answer them. Um, for you, Cliff, it's more like what is like growing up in California. Northern, what is northern? Uh, you asking me what northern right? California is like? Yeah, what is northern California like? Northern California is beautiful. It's uh, very green. It's a little cooler than Southern California, so it's a little bit greener. Lots of hills. has this, the northern end of the Central Valley, which covers most of the state. So there's hot areas, cold areas. You have microclimates around the San Francisco Bay Area. You can have a change of 25 degrees in temperature from San Francisco. And uh, if you drive 40 minutes east of there over the hills because they block the fog and you have dry weather so it changes a lot but uh, it's a it's a scenic place san francisco is very famous but i actually like the east bay better because you get all the beautiful views of san francisco alcatraz mm. the san francisco bay golden gate bridge things like that from the east bay and we go up and uh, and we we roll them up and go up to the top of the berkeley and oakland hills when we go skateboarding and you know, we'll take five and we have a beautiful view. You're up there with your buddies and uh, it's easy to hitchhike. You get down to the bottom. There's not a lot of walking. And we oh, get miles and miles and miles of skateboarding in. What's that? Uh, hitchhike. You said hitchhike. Yeah, we hitchhike up the hill, skateboard down. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> just random strangers. It's like, hey, can we go to get a ride back up top? Yes, it only takes three to five minutes usually to get a ride. You can do this loop that you skate about four and a half miles, and you come right back to the spot and hitchhike up and go again. So, how do you know somebody's not sketchy? Like, there's like a sketchy guy waiting around the corner. Yeah, well, we've been doing it for about uh, for me. I started a rape van or something, picking them up. <laughs> you know you know what we had we had lots of different people pick us up in the past i had an 82 year old woman pick me up and she says you're not a psycho killer are you and my friend said not today <laughs> <laughs> you know we appreciate the rides they're our lift drivers so i i told the kids for 40 years when you get on the bus or you hitchhike be polite to these people because they're your lift operator you don't want to piss them off you want friends, not enemies. And it's worked well for, oh, for yeah. decades. We're down here in Fornopolis, and there's people hitchhiking all over the place. No way. Oh, Everybody yeah? just, like, fingers out. Like, yeah. hey, can I get a ride downtown? Don't, don't let me pick any of them up, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's Brazil. I don't think that would be a great idea. No, man, here on the island, they, they even have a sign when you come on the island of Florianopolis that says, the first world of Brazil. It's pretty nice here. Really? You know, there's all the modern amenities, and there's people that live in what they call favelas. You know, it doesn't literally translate to ghetto, but it's where poor people live, and it's ironic because they live up on the hill here with the views, and the, okay. the wealthier class lives down on the flats. But... Uh, Man, they climb up those hills. They're too steep for ca cars to go up on some of them. And you'll see these women with groceries walking up there, and you think, damn, they've got to do that every day. Damn. That's insane. That's a, that's a totally different lifestyle. Like, wow. You yeah. know what? It's not too far different because in Brazil, it's the second most integrated country after the United States. And so you have Asians and uh, Middle Easterners and Indians and uh, 
northern Brazil is more Afrocentric and southern Brazil is more Eurocentric. A lot of Germans and, and people moved here a long time ago. And to be honest with you, the blend of uh, ethnicities with the, the people that, uh, you know, the babies and the people that have grown up here, the people here are truly yeah. beautiful. They are, this island is like the, the Hawaii of southern of South America. People come here from Colombia, Venezuela, Brazil, Uruguay, Paraguay, and, uh, and other areas, Argentina. And so it, it attracts a lot of people here. And, and there's an abundance of beauty here. <laughs> it is yeah, beautiful. I, I heard you guys talking about the um, beautiful women and just the local spots. Matter of fact, what it was your favorite skate spot growing up? I mean, I, I think we all love that. What, what location? North Hills, uh, uh, Berkeley, right, Cliff? Where your where your skate spot was back? Oh, I didn't hear that clearly, so he was answering for me. Um, Berkeley is where I help uh, try to teach slides in the early days before the internet, and where we kind of got the ball rolling. But uh, it, it's a beautiful place in the Berkeley, in the East Bay of the San Francisco Bay. There's a line of hills north to south that probably runs 50 miles and there's thousands of roads to skate up in there but most of them and i haven't seen them all in my years but we skate in berkeley and oakland most of the time and it's so easy when you don't have to you know walk a long ways to get another run and you could just stick your thumb out and you meet strangers who are pleasant to you and you get a ride to the top wow. occasionally the cops come out and, and give you some grief but that's very rare Wow, it still goes on. <laughs> yeah, I started skating in 1960, yeah. and I I still love going up there. Really, man, I I like um I have one skate story that blew my mind that actually had me scared at one point. We went over the um Greenwich, Connecticut, to bomb a couple of hills, and the Secret Service comes out and stops our crew and says, "Hey, you guys gotta go now." We're sitting there like, "What?" <laughs> turns out, <laughs> turns out, Trump's uh, like whole place was sitting right. Like, we had a whole um estate in that area where we were skating. So speaking, just like cops giving you grief, they'll give us a allow allow us to skate for like three hours in between. That was kind of crazy. And then the thing about it still going on sixty years later. Secret Service. And, yeah, Secret Service, man. Secret Service. <laughs> wow. You never know what yeah. you're going to encounter. Uh, you know, in Berkeley, I went into the coffee shop one day and I saw the cop in his uniform. It was a guy I went to second grade with. He says, no. Cliff, what are you doing? So I'm, I'm a joker. I said, well, I'm waiting for you to get your coffee so you can give me a ride to the top of the hill. I want to go skateboarding. He says, well, if you can wait till I get my coffee, let's go. Gave me a ride in the black and white. And when we came down, he gave me a second ride up. So, Ooh, I you know, wish. Yeah, you know, it, it doesn't always work out like that. And down here in Brazil, Sergio Yupi's a famous slider. You probably heard of him. Of course. So so I'm with him one day and MTV's doing a, a movie and he's the subject of this one part. And he brings out a big can of gasoline to spread on the street and light it on fire. And he's going to slide through a wall of flames. <laughs> the police show up. So there's two of them on motorcycles in the the producer is a woman from Portugal so she speaks the language she comes back about 10 minutes later after having a conversation with them and they they take caution tape out and close the road off for us <laughs> with no advance notice no paperwork they they close it off so I can pour more gasoline in the street and set another flame up 20 yes true story amazing Wow. <laughs> that stuff doesn't happen in most places, but, uh, you know, occasionally people know how to kind of, they, they're slick, you know, they they have a silver tongue and, and get what they need by being polite or, or uh, just approaching things the right way. That's insane. <laughs> I got a oh, question yeah. for you. Yeah, sure. You, you do the Broadway bomb every year, right? Yeah. I was there in 2012 when there were about 1,300 skaters, and I had one of the best times of my life there. Yeah. It was incredible. You know, everybody there, I've never been in a group of over 1,000 people where every single person is smiling 
and happy with, yeah. with life at the same time. I mean, the energy, you could almost feel it. It was incredible. Yes, uh, I, I have to give it up for that. Like that, that was one of the events that made me say, I want to skate for the rest of my life. Um, wow. Just the pure energy that came from it. Uh, it, it was, um, there's moments that I'll say I'll never forget. The moment I met Dave and being in his basement and living there to this very moment, I won't ever forget. I'm truly honored. I couldn't stop smiling, crying, laughing, just teasing. Like when I'm, I constantly do the Coleman spot. I love that move. It feels like I'm floating in the air. I'm grabbing at the ground. Like just, hey, do you know Natalie Herring and Cammy Best? Yeah, I know Natalie. I haven't met Cammy face to face, but I've heard of her. Natalie is awesome. I love Nat. She's amazing. Hey, if you see Natalie, give her a special hello from Cliff. I met her at the Broadway bomb. I met a lot of great New Yorkers back there and uh, had a good time. Um, I used to think that, you know, New Yorkers were kind of tough and it's busy and no one's got time for anybody. But I went back there for work one time, 27 days straight in uh, 1998 or 99. I don't remember. But uh, everybody there was really open to me and I enjoyed my stay there. Went to the five boroughs and met people all over. Uh, everywhere you go, if it's new, it's an adventure. And New York is certainly, you know, definitely the Big Apple. Oh, yeah. So many diversities. Just growing up there was, has been uh, an adventure. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. all I can really say. Like, I like the interview you did with Scott earlier where it talked about him coming back after uh, 32 years of not skating. Yeah, he's like 32 years, my man. Like, this guy, you know, I've been skating now for 60 years as of next year. And uh, as a competitor in seven different years. decades. 60 years. That's crazy. But, uh, yeah. You know, I'm a skater for life. Hope. It's still fun. But, man, Scott was skating with a guy today at Pedro Bajo's house. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's one of the greatest bull riders ever. And he has a – back in this beautiful valley, it's tropical wonderland. All of a sudden, you go through this big gate, and there's a three-leaf clover bowl and a half pipe in there, super yeah. pipe. <clears throat> and Way back in the jungle. And another guy shows up that's the same age as uh, Scott. And he had taken 30 years off. And the two of them were in there <laughs> ripping the ball. anymore. So I have a, a lot of respect for people like Scott and this other guy. I mean, Scott goes into these bowls. He's never ridden them before. He's doing front side airs, front side grinds, backside grinds. And, and uh, yeah. you know, just on the camera, but I'm enjoying it. The guy is an incredible skateboarder. Oh, uh, Scott, I watched video from Scott in, um, at Philly. And he's hitting the, um, the shell. Um, looking at that, it's a lot more intimidating in person. It's huge. That thing's fun. <laughs> is that the Baldy? Or no, this is in Philly at FDR. The oh. big, it's a big, giant, huge bowl. It's like what, twelve feet on each side? It's about twelve feet. I think it's about twelve yeah. feet. Transition. Um. There's these guys that go. There's guys that go out in Philadelphia, and they just rip. They have a saying: "FDR hates you." Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a gnarly spot. It's one of my favorite cities. Um, they yeah, do Broad Street Bomb too. My friend, uh, give him a shout out. Jeremiah Risk has the uh, yard out in Palm Springs, and he just he's totally open. Anybody can come session that place. He's really cool about that. But his favorite mm. skate park is FDR. Man, his like heart is in FDR, and they, they dig them there. He rips up. So, uh, so, Scott, what made you, like, I, I, read, I read the, I listened to the, um, of you talking about your wife giving a skateboard. She just said, hey, you need a fucking hobby. Go do some shit with your life. <laughs> what was it? Like, <laughs> yes, man. Well, she, she knew I'd skated as a kid. And we just happened to be in a mall one day of all places. And it was like a Zoomies or something. And they have all these like skateboards in the window. I won't say longboards because even though that's what they were, I, I never knew there was, you know, back when I stopped skating, there wasn't a distinction between what was a skateboard and what was a longboard. It was all skateboarding. So I tell my wife, I'm like, hey, you know, it'd be kind of fun to get a skateboard cruise around in the neighborhood on just for old time's sake. So about two weeks later, I come home and there's 
this 55 inch longboard on my porch, Randall trucks, Kryptonic wheels. Wow. I came home, I was wearing flip-flops. I remember I get out of the truck, I, I hop on it in my flip-flops and start going down the street, just carving back and forth. And there's a little slope to the street, so I'm picking up some speed. And as I get faster, I'm carving farther. And just immediately, I felt like I was 18 again. It just blew me away, man. It just, it really was just like a life-changing moment. And from there, I got hooked. I said, you know what? I'm going to do everything skate. I'm going to skate everything. I'm going to do like I used to. I'm still able. I was like 40, almost, I was about 50 years old at the time, seven years ago. So I started entering races. I started entering races. Uh, I won an amateur contest, all three events, tight, uh, hybrid, and giant. That was 2013. I went back the next year, won the same event in the Masters Division. And then I went to uh, Europe that same year in 2014 and won my first world championship. I'm just like, it was all so surreal because it happened within, this, you know, two years. Skateboarding. At one point, I'm sitting, I remember just thinking two and a half years ago, I didn't even own a skateboard. And now I just fucking traveled the world with one. I was like tripping out, man. I was really so, uh, felt so humbly. I felt so blessed to get this far in life and be able to still do this. Something that was from my childhood and just to relive it. It's just, and here I am in Brazil now. I mean, it's just taken me everywhere. I met you back in Atlantic City. Uh, it's just been a great journey, man. You know, it's not, it's right. the, it's it's insane, the mediocre man. weed here in Florinopolis, but you know. <laughs> yeah, but you were just like, like, what was you doing before? Like, what, what was your life like? I mean, um, to go from crunching numbers. Well, believe it or not, believe it or not, I do. Ta- I've been doing taxes for thirty years. I'm a tax man. It's probably one of the most obscure, obscure. Even... Um, occupations in america it's called an enrolled agent and basically i represent taxpayers before the government in a nutshell wow okay i i kind of understand what that is that's very important very hard work you need your taxes done you go to somebody like scott even if you're a corporate individual or entity for me i work for a land surveyor we do topographical maps but uh Tell people where they're probably. Yeah, so everyone are. everyone has a life outside of skateboarding. You know, even if you say you skateboard right. all the time, you still got to go to the grocery store. You still got to get your laundry done. You, you know, still got to so, learn how to play better chess so you can beat Cliff yeah. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Cliff has been kicking my. Yeah. I think he's beat me six games in a row, maybe seven. But uh, wow. I get better each oh. time. <laughs> I would love to play you, man. I, I I play chess. I get beat. I get spanked by my um my dad and my brother. Oh, you'd love to play Cliff. Like, you'd love to play Cliff, man. This yeah. guy, he's telling me shit about this game that I had no clue about. That like goes back forever. And man, it's crazy. Strategies involved. It's like that game is that game is like the ultimate game for the mind. You know what? I I love to. Uh... To uh, engage in the roll up the herbs, and stood outside with uh, the different people in Berkeley where I play chess by the original Pete's coffee shop. But there's also that famous park people's park in Berkeley. And they've got some great players that show up there and, and people are worried like it's a rough area or something, but the people in the park are great. They accept me. They treat me like uh, an equal. And, uh, you play by the rules there. You touch a piece, you move it. You can't take moves back. It's like you're in a tournament, but it teaches you to be a, a much better player that way. So this is these two questions are pretty much for both of you guys. Um, what are your favorite bands music-wise? Like I know, I know Scott is an amazing badass with the harmonica. Go ahead, Scott. Oh, thank you. Thank you there, Matthew. <laughs> Um, yeah. You know, my my musical tastes run the gamut. I everything from I like I can listen to classical to Miles Davis to blues, to rock and roll to jazz. There's something in every genre that I enjoy. Um, even hip hop, rap. Um, so that I have a real diverse, but I'm also I like 
I like singer songwriters. I have an affinity for people like Bob Dylan, Neil Young, Tom Waits, Leonard Cohen. Uh, I kind of gravitate toward them. All. I used to, but as I, I'm always discovering new music too. And with Spotify Unlimited, it's the best ten bucks a, a month you could spend because I've listened to more music in the last year, new music than I probably listened to in you know a good portion of my life. Because it's so accessible, oh, it's so accessible, you know. Oh, that's true. I, I I bought Spotify. I started doing it. I need grab Hulu too. I was like, oh yeah. Hey, Matthew, how old are you? Yeah, I'm 33. 33. So, for me, I grew up in the 60s, and there were like two camps. I wasn't too much into the the Stones and stuff like that, and when it got psychedelic for the Beatles, but I love soul music and R&B. When I was young, I went to the Fillmore West and I saw Curtis Mayfield and the Impressions Live, the Ike and Tina Turner Review, Santana, uh, just great groups over there, spectacular ones. But uh, I also, my wife introduced me to jazz when I was in my 20s and uh, I saw Gil Scott Heron and Sonny Rollins. A lot of great people the revolution played in there. Televised. And and I also saw Wes Montgomery three weeks before he passed. He played Berkeley Street wow. Theater. And uh, I got one song I want you to look up. Do you know who Oscar Brown Jr. is? Um, no. Okay. Look up Lucky Guy by Oscar Brown Jr. and listen to the words. It's it's I got a Playboy penthouse stuck in the sky, a brand new sports car and a fine hi-fi, a bar full of booze to keep me high, and all the true love and that money can buy. And then the drums come in. <laughs> Scott knew without me even telling him. <laughs> but Oscar. Oscar Brown Jr. This is before they had the the name rap. You know, if you go back to rap, it's kind of like rhyme. And then you have pedantic yeah. rhyme, you know, that they teach you in school and stuff. So I don't know the, the true historical origins of well, rap, there, but check there's, out there's Oscar Brown Jr. Oh, oh, one rumor about him. So, so the historical origins of rap, I used to be a rapper way back before I started skating. 1979, the Bronx. Wow. That's yeah. cool. I graduated from high school in 1980. Right after his creation of hip-hop. Well, listen, when you go back and look at that, look up Oscar Brown Jr. and look up the, the Lost Poets. These people... Well, also, I'm writing this stuff down. Yeah, they were, they were rapping back then, but it wasn't called rap. The Lost Poets. Well, was that? Right, I got those two there. Oh, Oscar Brown Jr. is probably early 60s and early 60s. Wow. You know, and, and later. Because there was rumors that uh, Mickey Hart from Grateful Dead with Fire on the Mountain yeah. was doing that like... Late sixty, late sixties, yeah, early seventies. So, so I'm pretty young. I'm just, I'm just now discovering Rolling Stones, uh, ACDC, uh, um, Led Zeppelin, uh, the Eagles. Yeah, classic rock is all that stuff. A little Ray. past my time. You're making me feel old here. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's all classic, <laughs> classic rock stuff. There's some good stuff in there. That's kind of stuff that oh, we've yeah. I've been hearing, you know, I've been hearing on the radio since I was like 18, you know. How about so, yeah, Rachel, Bill Withers, Grover Washington Jr., Smokey Robinson, The Temptations. I would say check out Tom Waits' catalog from start to finish. Tom Waits? He's got some great, I'm a big Tom Waits fan. I used to be in a band called uh, the Shadow Blasters, and we did a lot of uh, covers of Tom Waits. I always wanted to form a cover band that just does Bob Dylan and Tom Waits songs and call it Dylan Waits for you. Dude, you should do so, that. And I'm looking for some players. You should do, you should form the group, come to New York city and do it in an open mic. <laughs> yeah. That'd be oh, rad. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so rad. Oh man. Um, yeah, I'm going to move on to another question. Uh, what would you like to see in the future of skateboarding? Was it becoming like more of an Olympic sport? Is reaching global, like international levels globally, different markets? There's people setting up coaching camps. I know it's yeah. Well, the the irony for me is in '77, '78, the height of my like uh, amateur skate career, there was big talk of skateboarding being in the 1980 Olympics. 
so it was like, that's what I thought I was going to do was, you know, it was, I didn't even pay attention in high school because I thought I was going to be an Olympian. And my dad kind of pinned his hopes on it too. He managed the skate, the amateur skateboard team I was on, which is the Sims uh, team under Tom Sims. And uh, about seven, late 78, 79, when it was apparent that skateboarding was not going to be in the 1980 Olympics, the whole bottom started to fall out. I never turned, I, I never got paid as a skater because my dad wouldn't let me because back then, if you were paid, you could not be in the Olympics. It was a true wow. amateur event. So now to see it finally 40 years later to actually be in the Olympics, it's uh it's pretty amazing in one respect, but in another respect, I'm not too happy about, well, the OIC is one of the most corrupt organizations on the planet, number one. And number two is uh, it just, it's going to get exploited just like snowboarding was, right? Yeah. You see it all, you see it now. It's yeah, it's, it's corporate. But I, I have nothing, you know, I have nothing bad to say about the skaters that want to skate in it and, and try to win those medals. But there's going to be a lot of collateral damage along the way. But yeah, um, I don't think it's going to affect, like, me. I'm just going to go skate. I don't care what happens with it, you know. There's going to probably be more parks because of it, I guess. And uh, you see it more in culture, on, on TV and commercials, you know, so – it's not yeah. just a fad like they said it was. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember the first time seeing a, a, a downhill commercial in a chicken in a chicken commercial. What is a <laughs> yeah. downhill video? Was it, I think KFC or one of those um, chicken places. Oh right, right. Yeah, I'm like, what? This is, this is insane. It's going yeah mainstream, but then mainstream always turns to lamestream. Right, because you have somebody dictating the whole motion of everything. You can't really create yeah. your own stuff. There's no, there's no creative content anymore. You have to yeah. meet the quota. You have to meet this guy. It, it, it takes yeah, look a certain way. Wear yeah, a certain yeah. hat. Whatever. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, I think with um, as it makes a little difficulty for it to be fully corporate. I mean, technology does. Yeah. Preventing a bit, but now with the new rules, regulations, and with social media, look, out of the control. But look at like you know places like China with their teams. You know, talk about controlling skateboarding. Right, right. Could you imagine? What, yeah, I mean, what would it take to get on on the uh, China's Olympic skateboard team? How disciplined do you have to be? They probably practice ten know. hours a day. Yeah. Possibly. I mean, imagine like from the stories they say, they put these guys through the works. Yeah. I, I mean, just, and then I think about the Russians too. They got some gnarly skaters over there. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. That's the, I can say that much, but it's definitely going to be corporatized and probably exploited a lot. Yeah. And anytime you have. Any anytime you have competition too, there's always. I mean, in, in any professional sports, there's there's the people that get the glory. You know, there's one team that wins, but there's twelve teams or fifteen teams that lose, and it's all those people that's lives are affected. You know, and all the broken dreams and you know, crushed right. bones and <laughs> injuries along the way, just trying to be the number one team or. Yeah, it's crazy that just the competition that, uh, you know, what it does to people's right. psyche. Um, this question is directed at Cliff. Um, it is about the Coleman slide. What was going through your mind when you were coming up with that slide? Like, What's the question? I mean, it's, 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 hang on a sec. Well, um, we got to turn the fan down so we well, can hear you. Ask me the question again. My ears are old. What would you say? I said for the Coleman slide, what was going through your mind? What was on your hands? Like, how did you say, all right, I'm going to do, a, put my glove down and just manipulate the board in this direction? Oh, good question. And, it, it's a variation of a question I've received many times. I give the Hills the credit. If I wasn't ever born, skateboards are here. Some other kid living in the Hills would have had to slow down, right? Or die. And so I'm riding down the Hills 
back in the day. I tried slides in the in the sixties when I was on the Hobie skateboard team in sixty-four and sixty-five. <laughs> but it was like a no comply slide. You take one foot off, push the back end around a 180, like a kid does on a bicycle, kind of like a foot plant 180, and then return it to the board. But that was on the flat, and I couldn't really keep going. And I dreamt of doing it downhills, but didn't think of it as possible. Then skateboarding dies out in our area for about a good nine years. And when I start again in 74, I go to a city called Arenda, and there's a road that doesn't have curbs. It has gutters that drop down like a half pipe on each side. like half. And then if you go too far, you're going to grind your axle on the edge of the road. So just doing low turns, dropping my knee, the back end started drifting. And with the new wheels that were urethane, I realized I could control it and that it allowed a person to slow or stop. So I made business cards and went around trying to teach everybody I could how to slide. And, uh, and at first, we didn't have plastic on our gloves. We would wear out leather gloves one after another, duct tape them up. And... You was on concrete. You was on the asphalt with leather gloves, like no, no plastic, just bare hands. That's right. At first, it's just leather gloves on, and uh, that's about the time Joe Lem escaped with frisbees on his hands. I think. No, this is a long time before that. But uh, <laughs> we went, we went down the Berkeley Hills, and one guy, one day, took the old PVC copers. It's just like the same thing. You have tubing for irrigation. And he melted it in his mother's kitchen in a pot of water on the stove. He got it soft and pliable where he could flatten it out. And he shoe-gooed it to a glove. And it started extending the length of the slides. So we went and got better plastic called UHMW. It's polyethylene ultra-high molecular weight. Put that on there. It's generally what most people use now. It lasts a long time. And then all of a sudden, we were up there every day for decades, and we had a great crew. There were roller skaters, not on inlines, but the old quad skates. They would go down the hill. There must have been 35 of them that were really, really good. They could go down the hills like skiers and slide to a stop as, as much as we'd slide to a stop on our skateboards. And we didn't discriminate between sports. We were all friends. There were guys doing it, girls doing it, and there were great athletes up in the Berkeley Hills for, for years. And, you know, you, when you're my age, you go through generations of skaters, and some of these people come and go, and then maybe there's only you and one other person up there, you know, and you wish there were more, but at the same time, you're lucky because you don't have the competition when you're hitchhiking for rides. But So I never thought about doing a quote-unquote Coleman slide. And for the record books here, it was originally called a Burt slide after Larry Bertelman, the famous surfer from Hawaii. And I wrote an article in Thrasher back in about 81 called Street Sliding. And it's a how-to on how to do the Burt slide, which is now called a Coleman slide, or a layback. And Randall Fuller of Randall Trucks named it a Coleman slide. And uh, I had always referred to it as the other. And then one day I finally meet Larry Bertelman and I say, hey, Larry, I think they took your slide and put my name on it. And he goes, Cliff, I think it's the other way around. Sometimes you get older and pass wow. the peer pressure and you meet people that are just genuine, nice people. Larry Bertelman is certainly one of them. And, uh, you know, we became good friends that day. Uh, I really appreciated his attitude. You know, I'm out here. I try to tell all these people being a skateboarder doesn't make you a good person. Being a great guitar player doesn't make you a great person. But uh, I said, try to be a great person. The rest, will, the rest will take care of itself. And, you know, when we were, when Dogtown was famous for uh, picking their nose for the cameras, and remember they were adolescents. Okay. I'm not picking on them. I love those guys. But when, when that was the, the theme of the sport and punk rock and all of that. Uh, you know, I was an older guy, had kids, was listening to Benson and not, uh, you know, not the Sex Pistols or Devo. And then, so it's just different generations, you know. Now those guys from Dogtown, Tony Alva's about 62 years old and uh, not that far behind me when I think about it, you know, and he's a great guy. I love all the people I met. I love the fact that I'm alive and have seen the entire uh, – modern history of skateboarding. I, Bobby Bowden, I watched him uh, do kick flips in the early days. 
he and Kurt Lind Lindgren wow. were both credited with inventing that. I had teammates in the clay wheel days who were credited with inventing things like kick turns and nose wheelies. It, it just it goes way. Yeah, you're on clay wheels. Yeah, clay wheels. I was on the Hobie team in the clay wheel days, 1964 and 65. We had the first international. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Were they grippy? Like you had. Were they grippy? Weren't. Oh. Yeah. Weren't the clay wheels super grippy? No, they were slippery. You know, they were they were grippy uh, to an extent, but uh, when I grew up and I was a, a full grown man and not a little runt, you know, ninety pounder, and I weighed like 160 or something, I was still skinny, but. It was a lot of weight, and the wheels heated up. I had a black night. Many people had that in the first days of the second generation skateboard. Skateboard, yeah. Black night. I went through several of them. And uh, those wheels, man, you start get putting some friction on those, and big chunks of them would fly off. Uh, that's when I switched to urethane, and there was no looking back after that. I started skating every day, almost for the rest of my life. I ran over my finger. With a black knight skateboard as a kid and broke my my index finger. <laughs> wow. Oh. Yep. Ooh. So, uh, Matthew, get this. Uh, in 1977, there was a race at La Costa, and me and Cliff are both in the results, and it's recorded. Well, we didn't hang out. Really? And I didn't even know who, I mean, we didn't know who each other was back then. I was an old guy and he was wow. a grown. Yeah, I was like 14 and and Cliff was uh, just about to turn 28. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He wasn't paying attention to you. <laughs> no, he probably thought, who's this punk? <laughs> who's this punk that just beat Tommy Ryan? <laughs> Uh, you know what? He was fast. His time was faster than mine. He was sure to point that out to me. But good for Scott. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. You know, um, Cliff, another one. Uh, you was a like you played. You was a yo-yo man, and and you invented yo-yo tricks. Like, my man, you just how do you how does your brain operate? Just create. You know what? I am a creative guy, especially when I've been uh, smoking a little bit. And I had a friend come back to Berkeley for Cal that I used to skateboard with. And uh, his quote was, Cliff, leave it to you to be doing something strange but fun or weird but fun. And it was a yo-yo. And I was a national champion at their old compulsory 10-trick format. And then you have a playoff to see who the winner is. In uh, 94, and in about three and a half weeks of me coaching, this guy could do everything I could do. And so being facetious and a joker, I said, damn, Jim, you're going to make me start doing tricks behind my back and spinning in circles. So I tried it, and three minutes later, I'm making them something I never even thought about before. We decide no more rules. So I looked <laughs> They call me uh, – down here, they call me the father of the slide for skateboarding. Oh, pie, do downhill slide. But in the yo-yo world, if you look up wiki yo, there is such a thing. And my yeah. name, I, I won the National Achievement Award in 2000. For, and I'm known as the father of modern freestyle in the yo-yo world. Because I didn't like compulsories. I wanted to have the freedom to take it where I wanted to go with it. And even though there was some... Uh, you know, the industry itself balked at it at first a little bit. The kids around the world loved my style and, and opened their arms for me. And I, I went to Japan four times. I went to Korea one time. I went to Australia three times. I went to France. I went to Spain. I went to Portugal and did yo-yo demos in places from all the way from Tasmania, Australia to Paris, France. And I had a great time doing it. It was uh a fad, you know, that died out. They never put pro money in their contests, and I think that's why it it doesn't continue each year. There's not as much motivation for as many kids. During a big fad, it was huge. In Japan, in their first nationals, they had 43,000 kids show up. Years later, they probably had 5,000 or something, you know, just not the same. But uh, they have the best players now, I would say, although there are many great ones uh, here in the, or in the U.S. also. Uh, the Japanese seem to be winning a, a lot of the divisions now. Not all of them, but a lot. 
Yo-yos were fun. I like spinning tops. I like skill toys, juggling. Got friends that are international juggling champions. And these people are just, they're all creative people. You know, they learn how to make a living doing things that hardly anybody else would ever think of. Scott was talking about the traveling that he's benefited from with skateboarding. You meet people all over the world and they're your family from uh, skateboarding. They're nice people. Down here in Brazil, skateboarding is the number, number two sport behind soccer. Anywhere and, you go, yeah. Wow. And yeah. so, you know, I took Scott to these bowls down here. That was the idea in the beginning. Let him get a good taste of the skate scene. This island is uh, a vibrant skate scene. I took him to the first bowls, a public community bowl, beautiful park. And everybody in there came up, shook our hand. It, you know, we were welcome. There was no localism at all. It was like we were just instantly part of the crew. And uh, I love it. You know, that to me, that's what it's all about. The average lifespan down here is 71. For a man. For a man. So they for see, you know, for a man, 71. Oh, yeah, so, good. <laughs> not as good. Yeah, 79 was... nine in the U.S. 79 in the U.S.? I mean, if your wife goes before you. You know, if you live in the U.S., you can expect to live eight years longer as a male in the U.S. than in Brazil. Uh, but I would always chalk it up to the wife, you know? If she wants you to stay around for that long. Show <laughs> <laughs> you the she'll either make you stay around longer or if she tires of you, she might make you leave earlier. <laughs> no, I just yeah. think they just, you know what? I, I just think cause they just party harder, harder down here, you know? So they die younger. I think the living conditions aren't quite as good. You know, the, the medical yeah. care is probably, you know, not as good as but they do a lot of darn good. They, they do a lot of blow and they drink a lot of beer and alcohol, you know, I mean, the party yeah, scene party. down here. The party scene down here is vibrant. <laughs> That's I mean, true, you know. But young young people everywhere like to party. I mean, <clears throat> my friend Steve Kong. You know Steve Kong? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I love Steve. Tell him I, tell him I said hello. He likes to party. <laughs> Whoa! I love Steve. <laughs> I do. Too. <laughs> I see pictures of him at the clubs all the time socializing, man. That guy's in the middle of everything. He's a great guy. Oh, he, that man is a, a brilliant photographer. I keep telling him that. He's very humble about it. Oh. He's just and, a good guy. I, yeah, I, I mean, I love talking to people. I haven't spoken to him in a while. I actually live pretty close to him, which is gnarly. Well, I've make, seen him. make a point to go say hello to that guy and uh, give him a hug for me. I will make a point. I will make sure I give him hugs, man. I will see Natalie. I will go see Steve, and I'll give him a hug from you. Um, I appreciate I'm gonna, that. I'm gonna let you guys go. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Cliff. Thank you, Scott. Um, nice meeting uh, you, Matthew. Yes, it's a pleasure. I hope I meet you in person, man. It's truly an honor. Thank you. Hey, hey, Otambang, Mayo. At the mice, follow mice in the futura. Ciao, amigo. Ciao. Adios. <laughs> That's Adios. <finished>. Yeah. <laughs> Peace, guys. All right.